0: Our scripture reading today is taken from Acts chapter 9, verse 1 through 22, and our sermon today is entitled, The Book of Acts, The Calling of Saul. This is the Lord's Word. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. And asked him for letters in the synagogue, to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul. Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at at Damascus named Ananias. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem? Of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength, and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. Our God is an amazing God. His ways and his plans, none of us can fathom. We do not know from day to day what will occur even in our own lives. But the Lord has been gracious to reveal to you, first to the Jew, then to the Gentiles, the plan of salvation and the plan of all of history, that you may walk in it. The scriptures that we have today is that plan, is that roadmap. And our goal and our desire is simply to walk in that plan. This plan is a greater plan than simply graduating from high school, college, grad school, get married, have kids, be grandparents, and and so forth and so forth. This plan is a plan that expands to all of eternity, eternity past and eternity future. And you, by God's grace, have a place in it. And you, by God's grace, are known by Him, by name. And that when we are with the Lord for all of eternity, we'll be able to hear Him speak our name, not as if He knew us all our lives, but because He has known us all our lives. And so it's incumbent upon us, knowing that this great plan has been revealed to us, knowing that we are already a part of it. It's incumbent upon us to understand how it is that we should live our lives today, is it not? And how it is that God has revealed himself through all of history. And to rejoice in what he's done in the past, rejoice in what he's doing now, and eagerly expect him to do great things in our future as well. Here in the book of Acts, we we come to a turning point in redemptive history, the history of redemption, the history of how God has interacted with his people. Here in the book of Acts, Jesus has already gone and ascended up into heaven. And the question that people had was simply, if Jesus is gone, how does the gospel go forth? Well, the answer was very simple. Salvation is the work of the triune God. Jesus went up so the Holy Spirit could come down, so that each and every one of us can have the Spirit in our lives. And the work of the Holy Spirit is for us not only to know that we're children of God, it's not only a personal thing, but here in the book of Acts, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to send us out. And we see that first, salvation should be spoken first to the Jews, then to Judea and Samaria, Samaria being sort of the half-Jewish people, and then finally to the ends of the earth. And we see that God's plan for salvation includes all of us because that same Holy Spirit during Pentecost in the early chapters of Acts, it's the same Holy Spirit that works in you and works in me. This was an exciting time in Church history, thousands upon thousands of people are coming to know the Lord. Peter and John are preaching, and people are just falling, confessing their sins and being baptized. We see the Jewish, the Jewish people in Jerusalem proclaiming the Lord. And then we see Philip go out into the, 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 the Gentile territory We see him preaching to the Ethiopian eunuch last week, and we see that the gospel is slowly going out. And here in this chapter, we have a new character, a new person that we're all introduced to. We know him as Paul, the 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 author of the epistles that we have in the New Testament. But before he was called Paul, his name was Saul. And Saul was the educated elite of his day. He learned under the, the great rabbi named Gamaliel, known at that time as, 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 as one of the great teachers of the law. He most likely knew Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek, Greek he most likely could, could communicate to, to, to all types of people everywhere and to teach on the law. But he was also a man who was a Pharisee to the heart. That he knew the law well and he wanted the law to be preeminent to all people. That it was the Torah It was the teachings of the Old Testament. It was the teachings of the rabbis back then that was paramount and exclusive to knowing Yahweh God. And so like like the other leaders, he saw this new sect of people who came to know Jesus as a threat. They called them uh, the way, pejorative And he sought to destroy these people with a tenacity and a venom that was unmatched. Remember in the stoning of Stephen in Acts chapter 7, we got introduced to Saul. For as a mob stoned Stephen after he shared the gospel in his sermon paul sat there gloating approving of a death of another person this was the man that god was going to call to take the next step from philip Remember, Philip was sent back towards Israel at the end of the last chapter. But Paul, or Saul, was being called now to go to the ends of the earth. Now, I know that some of you wish that you had a testimony like this. Some of you wish that you heard the voice coming from the heavens And someone saying, Phil, Phil, why are you persecuting me? And to know that that voice was the voice of the Lord. Some of you wish that we lived in a time where theophanies or appearances of God were still real. How many of us, if we saw a pillar of fire just appear here and a voice coming out of it, how how many of us would not get down on our knees and worship the living God. But in many ways, brothers and sisters, let me tell you, do not envy what was in the past. For people like Elijah and Abraham envy you. For they only had partial partiality of the spirit a sneak preview of the Holy Spirit you have the spirit in full you have God in you that you may know him and worship him but either way Jesus makes ourselves known to us and here in in the audible voice Paul hears The voice of the Lord saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul responds very simply, who are you? And he reveals himself, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now when you read this passage, you might say this passage is sort of an incomplete testimony. It seems like it's simply a narrative that is sort of just told very straightforward, just the way Luke likes to do it, uh, the author of Acts. But if if we read deeply into Acts and we sort of pull from other passages, we will see that the gospel that was preached from chapter 1 from now by Peter and by Stephen is the same gospel that changed Saul's life to such an extent that he changed his name. His name was changed to Paul. Remember, in the sermons of Peter, the sermon of Stephen, the key linchpin is that all must repent and believe on the name of Christ Jesus that all of us are the ones who crucified our Lord and deserve punishment. Yet by, by the grace of God, when we turn to Him, we are saved. Now, Paul knew this. Because if Paul's astute as we know that he is, he studied the way these Christians he heard their theology and their teachings. In fact, when he was with Stephen, he heard Stephen preaching once again that same sermon that Paul and most likely John and the other apostles were preaching over and over and over and over again. And so he knew in his head, and he could describe to his fellow Pharisees and to anyone else, what this way really believed. And this is important, brothers and sisters. We cannot simply love someone into the kingdom. They must know the truth of the gospel, that Jesus saved sinners. We must be the voice piece to be as winsome as we can to say that. But let me tell you, no matter how winsome you are, the gospel will be offensive to a lot of people. But it's because of your great love for them that you're able to speak it in such a way that your heart desires for them to hear it and listen to it. We saw this in Stephen in Acts chapter Acts chapter seven. The scathing rebuke against the people there against the against the, uh, the Pharisees and, and the Jewish people that, listen, you're the ones who crucified the Lord, but repent and believe. And they started stoning him. In Acts chapter 7, verse 60, he, uh, the, the, uh, Luke describes it this way. And Stephen, falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Stephen's love for them was so immense that even though he was telling them the truth of the gospel, his love and his desire to intercede was so great. He's like, listen, don't hold it against them. But Lord, have mercy on them and let them confess the name of Christ as well. And this is the same testimony as Paul later on. Paul would vehemently defend the centrality of Christ coming to save sinners. But in Acts chapter 9, verse 1 and 3, listen to his heart. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. That Paul, no matter how much he shared the gospel with the people, no matter how much they rejected him and rejected the Lord, his love for them was so great that he actually said, and this is sort of of the progression from Stephen, he's actually saying, I wish that God would take away my salvation and give it to them. That's truth and love. This is a parent's love to sacrifice their lives, literally, for their children. But this is greater than even that. Paul understood the gospel from the very beginning that he was hearing. And he knew that he must follow the Lord. brothers and sisters. Later on, we see that in Paul's life, that Paul was called to go out to share the gospel to the Gentiles. And when he did so, he understood the purpose of what he was called to do. And this is also something that we can hold on to. We saw first The gospel that saved Saul, it's the same gospel that needs to save us. That we need to speak true things in love to people. That they have to know, be able to articulate what the gospel is, even if they're going to reject it. But our hope and our prayer is that they would come to embrace the same God that we worship as well. Paul's life was interesting because he understood that the life of a Christian is a life of suffering. I don't want to be glib, but the Christian life is suffering. But it's a different type of suffering than you're thinking of. This is a redemptive suffering. It's suffering so that you may gain the joy that Christ has for you in that suffering. It's the joy in knowing that you belong to Christ that allows you to count all things as joy. And it's the same thing that that Paul understood as well as he continued on in his ministry. Paul understood rightfully that in order for him to continue to share the gospel after he's met the risen Lord, his job was not only to preach the truth but to demonstrate the truth in the way he lives. words indeed have to go together right it's like music you have good music but not good lyrics it's not good music if you have good lyrics and horrible melody it's not good music words indeed they go together and Paul's willingness to suffer for the gospel as Stephen suffered for the gospel as Jesus suffered for the gospel, allowed his words to become, well, redemptive to the people around him. Colossians 1, 24, this is what he says. I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction." For the sake of his body, that is the church of which I became a minister, according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the Word of God fully known. First Corinthians 4:16: 1, Paul urges the church to imitate me as I imitate Christ. Walk the same way I walk. Rejoice the way I rejoice. Weep over the things that I weep over. Let the gospel be shown not only in your words, but in your life as well. This is what Paul is beginning to learn when he was called to Christ. And this is what we will continue, even as God's people, when we first came to know Jesus, what we continue to learn as we keep walking with the Lord. Even Jesus says in Matthew 5, 11, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Rejoice. But brothers and sisters, here's where we lack faith and trust. We all wanna be light. We all wanna succeed. We all want comfort. We all wanna be made whole. There's a reason why today people are seeking to have this mental wholeness in their lives. Brothers and sisters, There's only so much that the world can do. This world is broken. But it's our relationship with Jesus that makes us whole, no matter how broken we are. If we allow ourselves to have that type of criteria, what it means to be a a whole human being, by goodness, we will be either miserable ourselves, or if we somehow attain it, we will look down on so many people. Why? Because everyone is miserable. Everyone has issues. But it's our relationship with Christ that makes us whole. When you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, your world changes. Christ himself becomes everything to you. And you are willing to go to the depths of suffering for him. Because you know if you suffer for him, the riches of heaven will be poured down upon you. And the comforts of heaven will be there for you as well. But if we suffer for our own sake, for our own desires. Then we're like Simon de Saucer in Acts chapter 6. We want Jesus for what he can do for us. We want Jesus to demonstrate power as Simon de Saucer desired. But for you who know the Lord, suffer well for each other open your hearts to each other and walk with him. One point of application to this. We have a new member with um, Izzy, Isabella. Our duty, brothers and sisters, is to keep the gospel centered in our relationship with one another. To have a community that shares our suffering but rejoices in God ministering to us. That does not try to fix everything, because everything can't be fixed. But a community that leads us to prayer in Jesus himself. That asks for wisdom from God on high. That together with our community, try to discern, God, what is best to do at this situation that you may have glory a Christian on an island will wither and die. If COVID has taught us nothing, it's that COVID has given us permission, unfortunately, to look deep inside ourselves and see everything wrong. We need each other so that we can measure ourselves not by what we feel and think but by the gospel that binds us together. Our God is good. Our God can call anyone. The gospel is that powerful. Let us rest upon him and him alone. Let's pray. Uh, Lord God, uh, we thank you that you are so good to us. And Lord, you can call anyone in any position, at any time. Someone like Saul who's persecuting you just like that. They've come to know you. And so, Lord, let us share the gospel, Lord, indiscriminately, Lord God. And Father, just because someone lives a Christian life or the Christian morals... Lord, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're closer to you either. They too need the same gospel to repent and believe in you. Lord, we ask of you, Lord God, to help us, Lord, to faithfully preach, teach, and to express the gospel in all that we do. If we are persecuted, so be it. If we're ignored, so be it. But Lord, only when we do this, Lord God, can people come to faith. People like Saul. People like the Ethiopian eunuch. And so, Lord, we rejoice. And we will always rejoice when the sinner comes to you. So, Lord, bless us as a church Bless us, Lord, each as individuals here in this room that we may know you and worship you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.